Welcome to the Silicon Slopes Conversations. We're here with Darren Hill as the co-founder and CEO of RevRoad. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Thank you for joining. Um, I've heard a lot about RevRoad over the years, and uh, this is the first time we've had a long interaction, but I've sent a lot of people your way. Um, Thank you. Because like, even sight unseen, the, the feedback from folks has been very, very positive over the years, so I'm interested in hearing the story behind all of it. Uh, let's start with that. Uh, where did the idea come from? When, why did you decide to do it? And um, how have you built it? That's a great question. Um, I, just before we do that, can I just give, I think we all, to get, all ought to give a hand to this fine woman over here who's here with her baby. <laughs> Welcome her. Like major props for being here as a mom with your, with your baby. That's awesome. Love that. That's, bit, that's right in line with our ethos. Um, yeah, so happy to tell the story of RevRoad. Um, one of the things that uh, every entrepreneur knows is uh, almost every innovation comes from uh, hitting a roadblock or, a, or a, a, a huge wall or a problem. And uh, that was really the genesis of RevRoad. Uh, I'd started many companies prior to RevRoad with some incredible partners and co-founders. Um, had wonderful, massively cool experiences and learned a great deal and, uh, and had some like total zeros with that as well as some really, you know, like modest wins and then some really good ones uh, like Imagine Learning and Phone Soap. Um, so like super grateful for all of the good that came from that but also started to recognize a pattern that like there are some real challenges in the ecosystem for entrepreneurs and uh, the more I encountered those myself personally, I just I started to think, wait a second, like maybe this isn't just happening to me, because I talked to other entrepreneurs and found, oh, like you had that same exact experience, and oh, you had that same exact experience, and uh, so some friends and I started to uh, formulate a hypothesis that like we should test this and see how common this was, and those are issues like. Um, uh, entrepreneurs being naive. Like I was definitely very naive. I had no idea what the uh, different um, tool sets were and provisions that were put into funding rounds, uh, what they were really meant to do and, uh, and how they would you know, seep away control, seep away economic benefit um, from, the, the, from the group of people that are the actual innovators that are adding value, not just financial engineers but actually adding the value through innovation. And so um, we went all over the country interviewing VCs, um, private equity groups, entrepreneurs who had succeeded, entrepreneurs who had failed, um, accelerators, incubators, uh, all kinds of different groups, boot camps, uh, in an effort to find out like what does that landscape look like. And then we got in touch with a lot of different universities to get their research and to pull that all together. And we saw clear patterns, very clear patterns that showed, like, there's some problems here that need to be fixed. And that's what every entrepreneur does. We fix a problem, right? We solve, we, so, uh, we fill a need. And uh, we decided, you know, we could start an organization that could actually fill that need and do something differently in a radically different way that would approach uh, the, uh, the economics of entrepreneurship in a way that could help entrepreneurs succeed um, at far greater rates. And so our simple metric is... Um, 
uh, I, I should say this, our simple goal is to reduce the mortality rate of startups. If we can reduce that mortality rate, what is it? How many out of 10 fail? Nine out of 10 fail, right? So if we can reduce that mortality rate, like think about the economic impact, think about the social good, think about the positives that happen for um, being able to put braces on kids' teeth and send them to college and have personal and professional growth and development and reduction of poverty. Like entrepreneurship is that engine. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Um, that was a, a lot more thorough than I thought. I thought you would say, I went through it eight times and I knew exactly what was going on, but you guys <laughs> went deep. You went way deep. You even did like the universities, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so you did all of that research. You, you put the boots on the ground. You had your, your own personal experiences. There are a lot of models out there, whether it's Y Combinator, Techstars. There's a lot of incubators, accelerators, but... Yeah. I think your guys' is unique. So you saw the problem, now you're, you're going to solve it. How does that look today? What are the basics of RevRoad? Yeah, great, great question. Well, I'll start that by just saying first, uh, like, huge shout-out and kudos to my co-founders. They're amazing, and one of them's here today. AJ, stand up. Stand up. This is AJ Rounds, everyone. Um, yeah, you can clap. So AJ, Amy, Caldwell, Bruce, Jason, Bart, and I, the six of us, we started RevRoad with this hypothesis, and um, we basically had a, a three-phase plan that we put in place. Phase one would be that we would start this uh, very different thing that would be venture services that we could provide to companies, and so that as entrepreneurs needed help, they wouldn't come and say, I need this much money, because that's what they all say is I need this much money. And what they really mean is I need to hire a graphic designer and I need two engineers and I need to go and get this marketing campaign and I need to go and accomplish this event. But they don't phrase it that way. They think money, money is the solution and it is not. It is just the, um, uh, the transactional currency to get what you actually need. So we thought, let's skip that part. Because there's a that that, that uh, monetary part is um, uh, a middleman, so to speak, and it has its own margin. And so let's pull that out. Let's just go straight to the services that that entrepreneur needs, and let's provide that and get really good at doing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, so it would become a transferable skill. Um, so that's the venture services part, and we would do that in exchange for a minority stake of equity. And and so that our, uh, our interaction changes there from just another agency that's contracting with an entrepreneur and it's a transactional event where they don't really care about whether that entrepreneur succeeds. They just care that they got the transaction. Instead, we could turn these services into something through that, um, that alignment uh, with equity to where we act just like a co-founder with them. And we, we genuinely have a vested interest in the success of the company long term. So, so that's that first phase. And then uh, we envisioned that somewhere along the line we would start a venture fund. And so the best of the best that came into RevRoad uh, and got those venture services could then continue on and get venture capital um, from a group that was uh, familiar with them and had done 
literally years of diligence together on each other, not just one way. Um, and then go out and replicate uh, Rev Road around the country was our phase three. That's the, the overall plan. Very cool. And to my knowledge, you are on phase three, right? You've, you've done it here locally. You've got Rev Road Capital, and then you guys just expanded to Florida. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Woo! There you go. <laughs> We're very excited about that. Um, yeah, we started about five years ago uh, with this phase one and uh, have somewhere around 100 to 120 companies that apply every quarter to be a part of RevRoad. That is super gratifying. Uh, my co-founder, Amy Caldwell, is in charge of that. She's a dynamo. Uh, she's a force of nature. And uh, when we started, like, zero marketing dollars for our first four years. None. Um, like, we bootstrapped everything. Uh, and then uh, we started bringing in some really incredible investors who were very much aligned with the ethos that we have. That we want to make sure that entrepreneurs can end up with more than the traditional 5 to 7% equity stake that they have when the exit takes place. We want to make sure that they have the opportunity, if they have the capability and the interest, to grow into that leadership role and not just get swapped out as a matter of course. Um, and also, uh, largely to um, like think very differently about exits. Um, my experience here in starting companies was that every single board member that I had was amazing. And every single one of them said, you have to flip your company. And that's very much a West Coast United States thing. The further East Coast you go, the more they think, no, you can actually keep this going for a long time and turn it into a, a cash flowing company. And if you go even further east across the pond, you've got like multi-generational uh, thinking taking place there. And so we wanted to introduce that here too. And so that it would give our entrepreneurs options to think about what they prefer, what they want to see happen, and then we back them in that. Very cool. So theoretically, if somebody goes through RevRoad, you guys do get some equity for your venture services. Yes. Um, they could, in my opinion, have a lot more flexibility going yeah. forward. They could, uh, let's say it's churning off a billion dollars in revenue, they could pay themselves $100 million a year in salary if they that's want. That's exactly right? right. They could IPO it if that's what they'd like. Yep. They could uh, take money off the table yep. and do both. That's right. So of all the ways to skin a cat, this one's pretty good um, from start to finish. We like to add that optionality. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things that were quite different. Um, you mentioned some of the, the groups that we love, uh, like Techstars and Y Combinator, and we have great partnerships with them. Uh, they provide incredible benefits. They're best of breed, right? Um, their programs last for three months. Um, most other programs are shorter than that. They're six to eight months. They're a boot camp. And we think there's, there's good benefit that comes from that mentoring, from the network, from the pitches that they provide, the training that they give. Um, so we value all of those things. But we also think that if you want to have true institutional change, it takes longer in almost every case to have institutional change. So when we contract with a company, when they go through that application process, you know, those 100 or 120 companies, when they go through, we'll come out with a handful of companies that, that quarter that we'll contract with. And, uh, and if they get in, 
then we give them those services in, across 12 different business areas, um, including software development and video production and marketing of all types and finance and strategy and business development and sales development and all kinds of different things for two years. And so they build true institutional internal capability. It's that capacity building that makes the big difference. You know, we can, anyone can help give an acceleration to a, an entrepreneur by sustained effort, um, but uh, then you can also hobble them when they're done if you don't like build the internal capacity. So that's our big goal is to go through this three phase process during those two years. We're doing phase one, we're jumping in, we're like team on the field, we're blocking, we're tackling, we're putting points on the board right alongside shoulder to shoulder with our entrepreneurs. Um, and then in phase, and we're leading in the areas where they say, hey, help me with this. So we'll like actually help build the MVP or we'll go in and we'll help raise the capital or we'll go in and we'll be the first salesperson to help them close their first sale, get their first million dollars, get their next three million dollars. But at some point then we say, okay, is this core? And if it's core, we need to hire for this. We'll help them spec what that looks like, put together the strategy, hire that person, train them, and then they'll work side by side with us in that phase two to learn that, that role and the business. And then in phase three, our expectation is, is that we're still working shoulder to shoulder, we'll still be on the field, but now they're gonna take that lead. So by the end of those two years, that, that growth trajectory can be sustained and even continue to accelerate. Yeah, very cool. I, I've got a few questions on like the nuts and bolts of that process I'll bring up in a little minute. But yeah. um, you mentioned 12 you know, parts of, of successfully launching and, and running a business. Um, I've had two or three good ideas that were unique where I did that. I'm like, I, I hate tech. I hate software development. I don't want to do anything. Oh, <laughs> does anyone want this idea? Because like, it doesn't matter if it, even if there's a huge exit, I don't want to do it. I don't know how. Um, and I've had a few people like, here's this, and it's already half-baked. If you want it, you can have it. Yeah. And um, it doesn't matter, again, if it's a billion dollars, I still don't want to do it because it's not, I'm not passionate about it. I don't have the knowledge base. But like, imagine that in this of like, I don't want to do anything with the tech stack, and I don't want to worry about some API thing. You guys have solutions there, right? Like it would be a breath of fresh air, I would imagine. We do, yeah. And uh, and our our teams that fulfill on these dreams, like that's what we're in. We're in the dream business. We make dreams come true. And uh, uh, I love what one of our uh, CEOs said. She said, "You're the fairy godmother of entrepreneurship. Like that's what Revroad is." And these team members, there's several here. I'm so proud of them. Um, uh, make those things happen. You know, uh, Brittany here on the front row, she'll work with a portfolio company and she'll help them get massive uh, PR coverage. And, uh, you know, for a team of two or three people that are founders, that can be a total game changer. It can completely change the entire process. Uh, last night I was uh, hot tubbing with one of our CEOs and we were talking about one of their challenges when they came into the portfolio they got attacked by Apple um, for their logo. They were sued. Um, it, uh, it's a company called Prepare, and they have a pear logo. Now, if you look at a pear, can you tell the difference? How many in here can tell the difference between a pear and an apple? No market confusion there? Yeah, interesting. Um, well, Apple doesn't think we can do that. They think we're kind of dumb. And they had sued over 300 small businesses 
um, previous to this over logos that had fruit in them and totally crushed all of them. They all gave in. And this awesome pair of entrepreneurs, Natalie and Russ Monson, decided we're going to fight this. And, you know, we didn't have nickels to rub together. And so um, it was awesome to see the team join efforts with them and launch the campaign, Save the Pair from Apple. And if you look it up, you'll see it's pretty cool. <laughs> we got coverage in Wall Street Journal, TechCrunch, like every major uh, outlet was covering this. And on the day that um, Tim Cook was being announced as a billionaire, every article also included, and he's crushing this little company in Utah. And uh, so very different outcome in this case. We can't disclose what that was, but it was very interesting. So um, there, there are all kinds of things that can be done to help small companies make big leaps. Yeah, for sure. And even if you're not an entrepreneur, everyone can relate to that feeling of, like, I'm, I need to go home and mow my lawn. Imagine <laughs> if, like, somebody else can mow that lawn for you and you can have more time with your kids or what you ever want yeah. or what you want to do because um, it's impossible to be good at all of those 12 things, right? Oh, none of us are. Yeah. It takes a team. There's a great Margaret Mead quote that I love. Um, she said, uh, never doubt the ability of a small group of, consider- uh, a small group of citizens to uh, accomplish the impossible. In fact, it is the only thing that ever has. Like an entrepreneur by themselves with an idea will not win. There has to be a team that makes that happen, and that's RevRoad. We're instant team to help those entrepreneurs. Very cool. And um, let's talk a little bit about those that might be interested in, in doing RevRoad. So you guys, obviously, we don't say yes to everyone. No, we can't. You have a selection process. Let's assume it goes well for the entrepreneur, and uh, what can they expect for what you've just described, if you could summarize that? Oh, yeah, sure. So they get, uh, if they, they, they can expect a very rigorous, grueling process, um, but they can expect a fair process uh, that's insightful and helpful along the way. Um, it's not the kind of thing where they apply, and then they just get a no letter later or email, um, and they wonder why. Uh, that's kind of common these days. Um, instead, they build relationships and they get awesome feedback that tells them, like, you could do this here, and what about that over there? And this is what we would do if we were in your shoes here. Um, and uh, and those that don't get in, you know, we give them that feedback and we invite them to go apply that and then to come back and apply again. If they do that, uh, I'd say there's probably like maybe 20% that go in and uh, take that advice and apply it, and at least half of those do get in later, which is really cool. Um, for those that do get in, they can get two years of service side-by-side side working with all 12 of those teams, and there's this incredible network of investors that we've curated that are high-net-worth individuals, family offices, institutions that you would like expect to see, right? They, they want a great return, they're financially savvy, all the kind of norms, um, but they're different in that we've curated them with a no jerks rule. Like they actually have to use the word love. That's a, a, a great word, it's a business word we should all use more. Like they actually love the entrepreneurs we work with. They genuinely care about their success. 
um, independent of their financial return. Yes, they want the financial return, and we do like build for that, but they actually care about these entrepreneurs, and they spend their time and their effort and their talents and their treasure helping those, uh, that next generation of entrepreneurs succeed. And they come from all over the country, um, successful entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, uh, executives at ExxonMobil and Amazon and Moss Adams and others that um, are part of that network. And so the net effect of that is when our, when our entrepreneurs go to raise a round, they don't go through the typical 11 months of raising a round that it takes today to raise. Um, they actually, our, our average raise takes between two and two and a half months because there's a level of trust. They know the, the gauntlet these entrepreneurs have run. They know that if they invest, that that money is not going to just be tossed over a wall and they hope that it gets spent well. They know they've got a team of um, very seasoned, experienced people that are working with them to help them apply that in the places where it can uh, hopefully best be used. Very cool. Yeah. This is a great principle, right? You could apply in all sorts of walks of life. Like if you're going to go climb Mount Everest, you're going to want to talk to somebody that's done it before and you probably want a, a team of, of helpers. And uh, if you've done it before four or five times, it's not that mysterious anymore, it's right? It's not. And uh, folks that have gone up and down the elevator a bunch, they can look at something and process it very quickly and say, do these three things and see what happens, right? You yes. Know? Um, so the pattern recognition for folks that might have a little bit more gray in their hair is pretty quick and fast, and they can apply that to the, the newbies, and the newbies get all of that baked in. That's true. And, but I also have to say the gray in the hair thing uh, can also be the entrepreneur. The average age of an entrepreneur has moved up dramatically to a higher age. Um, and, uh, and we're also uh, real big on curating for people who are uh, wise beyond their years on the mentor side. So we have some that don't have gray hair, but they have the gray hair-ish you know, experience. Sure. All right. So let's say the uh, company's genuinely squared away on five of those those twelve, right? Yeah. Like you guys obviously wouldn't upsell them and, and sell them something they don't no. need. Um, so it seems like it would probably be flexible in the amount of equity you guys yeah. get in return. Uh, five versus twelve. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So so um, there are twelve service areas. You know what we negotiate ends up uh, corresponding to what they need and what they ask for and how heavy that lift is. Um, but it also corresponds to the stage in the, of the business. You know, we have some companies that come, I think most people uh, in this room and outside this room think, oh, well, it must be companies that are like uh, startups that are pre-revenue and maybe even pre-product uh, pre and, you know, envelope or back of the envelope kind of uh, business idea. And we do have a few of those. I'd say we maybe have 10% of our portfolio matches that. Um, uh, but we also have companies all the way up to, uh, you know, they're, they're generating $100 million in revenue when they applied to join RevRoad, uh, Rev and they wanted us to help them scale and everything in between. Most of it's, you know, they're uh, 200000 to maybe $1.4 in revenue, right, in between that area. That's where most of our applicants come. Okay. Yeah. Um, so agnostic as well on like industries and, and verticals, you guys, consumer goods, almost always SAS, agnostic. Fintech. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. We have, uh, consumer packaged goods. We have consumer electronics. We've got clothing and textile, uh, lots of different software industries, future of work, educational technology, uh, several companies in, 
uh, transportation technology. Um, there are a few we don't touch. Like we're not going to do, you know, someone's ayahuasca business idea or their, um, you know, we're not going to do Juul or anything like that. So we stay away from those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit over to the, the operations side of RevRoad. Um, I've got three young kids and they were all chirping at me last night. One wanted me to explain like what advertising is. The other one wanted me to watch her do a somersault and the other one was just yelling at me. So, um, who wants to see the somersault? <laughs> so who should I talk to? Right. So you guys have your team that you've mentioned, right? Yeah. And you've got your, uh, portfolio companies in this example, the kids, um, how do you guys manage the workload to where, Oh, why did I get eight new marketing questions today when I can clearly only handle four? I assume there's some system to how much you guys can withstand, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. We do capacity planning that helps us understand uh, how many companies we can um, uh, bring in as partners and still deliver what we would consider to be a, a stellar experience and that they would consider to be a stellar experience. We, uh, we do a lot of internal uh, measuring uh, on a regular basis to see, like, how are we scoring according to our customers? I mean, we can give ourselves a score or letter grade every day, but we want to hear from them and what they feel. And so we do that on a regular basis. We have an MPES score that we monitor every week in our, uh, uh, as part of our dashboard of goals um, that ranges from negative 100 to positive 200. Most of the people here know what an MPES score is, and uh, we're in the excellent range, which we're really pleased with. Um, uh, we, get, we, we get really high ratings and reviews. Um, but we can only do that if we don't bring in too many companies because we have a capacity you know, limit. Having said that, we recently expanded. Our board gave us the ability to do that, and so uh, we're in the process of doubling right now yeah, and, cool. and expanding to Florida. Great. We'll talk about that one here in a second. Um, just using Silicon Slopes as an example, uh, hindsight's 2020. We've made all sorts of uh, mistakes, just like every group and company, and um, some of them are like, glaringly obvious, right? Like, oh, we forgot to tell people that we're doing this, right? Marketing, advertising, whatever it is. <laughs> so if um, you guys, you know, the, the company's in and, you know, they have identified seven areas and one of those would be like, we need new customers through this marketing platform, something like yeah. that. Um, you'd also be able to see the results within a month, two months, three months, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, is it check-ins? Is it KPIs? Is it OKRs? How do you guys measure the you know the the mentor and and the company yeah all the above um uh we have a what we call a strategy dashboard uh, we've built a, a whole proprietary tech platform that measures the service delivery of all of those 12 things and then the results of the companies all in one integrated system and so it gives them the chance to look at what that uh you know is the needle moving and in which areas is it moving and which areas is it not and that gives us a real-time gauge of how to focus our efforts um, we make big misses too. Um, and, uh, our, our goal is to just as quickly as possible, identify what those are and then realign and pivot. Uh, we're very big on lean startup. Like we, we want to constantly iterate and make sure that we're like, um, virtually changing things, um, first before like actually changing them. And so we can test the impacts of those. And that gives us the ability to do that pretty well. Very cool. There is a lot of whiplash with entrepreneurship of like, all right, we're, we're good here. Oh, we didn't tend to our knitting over there. Yeah. Whack-a-mole. Um, yep. 
But with, with your guys' model, there's kind of somebody always at Mission Control watching, and uh, I think the whiplash would be minimized. Is that accurate? Well, we still have it, like everyone does. Um, and some of it's not just whiplash from... that. What you were describing is so common, right? I mean, it is uh, whiplash from lack of coordination uh, or lack of strategic alignment. Um, uh, we, we still have some of that, but not much of that because of the systems that we use. Our, our uh, foundational service is strategy. And Jared Rohatinsky and uh, uh, Larry McFarlane are incredible uh, um, strategists that work with our portfolio companies. And then all the other services you know, stem from that. Uh, our whiplash comes from more of a different place, which is we just have differences of opinion sometimes in different uh, leaders, and, and we actually see that as a value because then you get to choose, you know, hey, like there are different approaches to things, and this person's very experienced in this way, and this person's experienced in that way. They both have value. Let's hear that diversity of ideas. Let's battle those out. We actually have boxing gloves in our conference room um, and so that we can battle out over those ideas. You guys put them on, and we have had a, a few opportunities. I'm sure, for sure. I love that. Like, all right, if we're going to be that opinionated, let's throw the gloves on. Yeah, the opinions go out the door pretty quick. They do. Um, so, for you guys to work, your your model to work, as we've kind of discussed, you guys take equity for the venture services. Yeah, you'll need um, ideally all of them, but. Um, a lot to succeed, right? And that could be for you guys, just correct me if I'm wrong, like they could uh, take some off the table, you know, if they got a Series B funding round and that's where you guys could theoretically take some off the table or you could let it ride. How do you guys ultimately decide as a team on that end result? When do you guys pull the trigger or not? Yeah, so the answer is embedded in your question. It's as a team. Um, uh, but probably the best way to answer that is uh, we're in for the long haul with our entrepreneurs. Um, uh, we're very fortunate to have an incredible cadre of investors who are huge believers in growing uh, companies in significant ways and then having a lot of optionality on what those exits look like. And so, uh, so far, uh, we, have, we have continued to roll with all of them except for one where the entrepreneur wanted to be totally out and so we chose to exit at the same time they did, and we, we helped orchestrate that, uh, that sell to a, a great firm in Boston, and, um, and it's thriving and, and doing fantastic. So we're really thrilled with that. And all the others are just growing and growing and growing. Because yeah. you guys are planning long-term, and yeah. the entrepreneur is like, focused on the short-term. But again, like one other benefit is like we're, we're getting ready, whether it's in two years, four years, six years, like we're setting up the pieces for the strategic strategically to make sense that's right yeah uh we already have uh we already have one uh company in our portfolio that's over a billion uh in valuation we have several others that are well on their way to doing that and um that alignment with the entrepreneur is really the key like uh we're true partners in every every sense of the word Cool. Um, I'm going to list a few names of people I've interacted with recently or have been on the podcast or been up here on stage. Pitch 59, Bobello, Skillstruck, Wander, Hypercraft, SRT, Labs, Hello, uh, obviously missing a bunch. But um, I've gotten to know them. Yeah, and there they're is awesome. A, there's a little bit of a difference with their storytelling versus somebody that's just trying to go it alone. 
And I did not know the reason until like having talked to th- with you, right? Like they're a little bit more squared away. They are. Which is a nice thing. It is. They have a better vision. They have better execution. They have dotted I's and cross T's. Yeah. And they probably can go on vacations without less stress <laughs> and like We actually all of that super stuff. encourage that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We want to make sure that uh, a, a big part of, a big part of uh, you know, we, we focus on values and vision like everyone else does, but we also think vibe is just as important to that mix. And part of that vibe is, is like, you're doing this for a reason. You're not doing this to pad a bank account. Um, you you want to have a family and you want to have friends and you want to have a life. So, yeah, that's a big part of what we encourage. Awesome. I've got a few more questions and then we're going to open up to the audience. So get your courage up. We'll pass a microphone around. Um, questions for Darren. Um, you guys also have launched... Rev Road Capital, right? Yes. And hearing the story so far, you see like the good synergies and the strategic vision for that. But um, tell tell us a little bit about Rev Road Capital and how it ties in ultimately to the Rev Road ecosystem. You bet. So we we decided last year in the summer to launch a venture fund. Worst time in the history of the United States to launch a venture fund, right as all the markets were going down. Um, uh, it was awful timing and. Um, uh, at our launch party, uh, which was, uh, coincides with our annual Revation Summit that we do with all of our portfolio companies, um, where we get to showcase uh, each one of them and their accomplishments, um, we had set a target to raise a $25 million fund because that's the average debut fund for Utah. And we thought that'd be a, a good goal. Uh, it would give us a year to raise that fund. Um, by the end of that night, we had $33 million worth of uh, verbal commits and, um, on day one, and we still had a year to raise. So we were really pleased with that. We announced that we would increase that to $50 million. We've exceeded that, and we still have until, like, end of July-ish to, to raise. So we're really pleased with that response. That was, you know, largely built on the reputation that RevRoad had developed. And, uh, man, some incredible LPs that are a part of that fund. We've already placed four investments um, a lot of people ask, like, how does that work with RevRoad? So it's actually a separate uh, entity, but obviously um, they have all the benefit that comes from us working with these companies for two, three, or four years. And so it's like having uh, a completely legal insider trading advantage for both sides, right? Not just for RevRoad Capital. Um, but also for our entrepreneurship, uh, our entrepreneurs in our um, uh, portfolio, they've done years of diligence on us. We've done years of diligence on them. When we go to a trade show and we went to SEMA to launch uh, four of our, pro- our company's products, we're sharing Airbnbs with them. Hey, can you pass me a towel? There's no soap in here or something. Like, like, we're like this with these folks and uh, with our partners. And... Uh, um, that gives them trust and us trust that's instant. Um, so uh, that's really cool. At the same time, there's a separation of powers, and so that there can be, you know, there's a separate investment board, completely independent, um, uh, and so they can make decisions to say no if it's not the right right fit. But we're really clear about, like, what is the right fit. We have five criteria for any company, RevRoad portfolio or not, that wants to get funded by RevRoad Capital. And uh, we're, we're 
constantly iterating what those five criteria are and so that they don't apply until they hit those five criteria and then they can be a good fit. Um, so yeah, we've, we've already placed four of those investments and we'll continue raising and we hope to, to um, finish uh, this summer with uh, one of Utah's largest uh, debut funds. Very awesome. Yeah. It's uh, nice when you can start the game on third base, right? Instead of uh, working your <laughs> way around. That's a great way to put it. I hadn't thought of that. Um, and, you know, there's another good principle there. Like if you've got a good reputation, you've got a good team, it could be a bad market, a good market, medium market, you're still going to succeed, which is what you guys obviously just did. You said it was the worst time to raise, but you guys yeah. uh, did it. So Super impressed. We have uh, four amazing uh, managing directors there. Uh, Rochelle Morris uh, and David uh, Mann out of Seattle. Uh, Rochelle's here. Bart Scala out of Colorado and Scott Peterson, who's here, who previously ran the BYU Rollins Center. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes maybe we forget, I think each geographic location in the world does, that there's other parts of the world. Yeah. And uh, we might as well leverage all of those. Yes. Because there's lots of money and, and other great... To, to that Founders. thought, we, I, I, I don't know how many people here know that, but about two-thirds of our companies are Utah or Intermountain companies, and about a third of them come from other parts of the U.S., from the East Coast and Florida and California and even outside the U.S. Yeah, awesome. So which leads to Florida. Yes. Um, it sounds like we got a rinse and repeat, right? You got, you're yeah. comfortable with the, the, the model and the process, and why did you choose Florida? That's a great question. Um, I, I'm privileged to work with amazing co-founders, all the ones that I listed earlier, and then some incredible new team members who have joined us. And one of those is Craig uh, Peeler, and he is a data nut. And he's gone through and done a, an a incredible amount of research on where entrepreneurship is thriving, and so where those hotbeds might be. Um, obviously, we can all hear in the news uh, a variety of different uh, portions of that, but he's gone a much deeper level on that and so that we can see where that is. There's a great study that talks about um, the decline of entrepreneurship over the past 20 years. And um, it basically identified that there are only really five major spots, metro areas in the United States, that are creating more businesses than are being destroyed through uh, bankruptcy and mergers and acquisition. And this happens to be one of those five, and Florida is one of the others of those five. So we made a determination after looking at all the data that that was the right place. And, um, and then, you know, uh, we believe a lot in serendipity. And as serendipity would have it, we happen to have someone there who is just an incredible leader that we were able to bring on board and, and that is leading the charge there. Very cool. If memory serves, they like to launch big rockets into space. They do. In Florida. Yes. And in order to launch a big rocket, you've got to have hundreds of thousands of uh, subcontractors and amazing science and innovation. So is that the angle there? Maybe a little bit of aerospace? A lot of aerospace. They have a huge manufacturing base there. Um, that's something else that's kind of unique about RevRoad. Most of the groups that you look at that are in venture, they, it's almost like they're allergic to product companies. Um, they feel like software SaaS is the only thing. But dang it, everybody, we have to make stuff in America. Like, we have to make things, and uh, we need to support entrepreneurs who do that, and, uh, and are great businesses, and you can get awesome returns from it. So, like, why wouldn't you do that? So that's, yeah, one of our areas of focus as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess it's nice to fly down there in uh, January, too. Right? <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It's a nice, nice perk. All right. We ready? Um, raise your hand if you've got a question for, for Darren. 
right there in the back, and then we'll work our way over. All right. So I'm just here because I'm an investor in, in RevRoad, and I've hey, made Stan. more money out of that startup than I have out of all the other startups I've invested in over the last six or seven years. So he's doing something right over there. <laughs> Thank you, Stan. But um, Darren, tell us, tell us what's in the future. What, 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 what are the expansion plans for RevRoad? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we'll continue to, to grow the number of companies that we can serve. Uh, our original target was to serve 150 companies across our first 10 years. Uh, we've increased that, and so that we're going to serve uh, several hundred more. Um, uh, the fund will continue to grow, and we'll do a fund two and a fund three, and we expect those to you know multiply. Um, in addition to that, we're going to be uh, opening railroad offices in many other places. We've had um, uh, invitations from uh, many governments around the world, uh, from the EU to the Middle East, to India and, and Asia, to, to uh, come and, and participate there and for them to fund those. We also have um, a lot of uh, business partner paths that we can take with that. Uh, as well as just opening offices ourselves. So uh, we're, we're very excited about that. It's going to be a fun ride to see that happen. You had mentioned that uh, it takes maybe two and a half months when somebody's applying for some for yeah. investment. How long does it is the application process on the front end for, for round one when they're just trying to get the venture services? How long is that process? Yeah, so that's typically, uh, I'd say, two to three months. Uh, for that process as well, yeah, gives us a chance to do uh, a good level of uh, diligence and gives them a good chance to do good, a good level of diligence. Hopefully, you're hearing from me. Like we don't think this is a one-way street, like a lot of groups do. Like we think this is a two-way street the whole time. Uh, you mentioned vision, values, vibe. How do you vet for those on the front end, and how do you foster those once they're? in the program and then maybe speak a little bit to what those are. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that question, Stuart. Um, so uh, Stuart with Olympus. Uh, so uh, we, we actually uh, do a number of things to vet for those. Um, just one of those is we have what we call our five H's. Um, we look for head, hands, heart, humor, and humility in someone. We want to make sure that the teams that we work with have all of those aspects. Head to us represents like smarts and education, um, common sense, and street smarts as well. Um, uh, the, the hands is work ethic, skill, um, grit, resilience, all those kinds of things. Heart is we genuinely do look for people to exhibit passion uh, about what they do. It can be around creating jobs. It can be around their product, around their customer. Um, but we want to see them have um, genuine love and appreciation for other people, like their colleagues. Uh, if we see them like putting down someone that they work with, like that's just a no. We're not going to do that. Uh, they're not the right fit. Um, uh, we even encourage them to love their competitor. Uh, so that's kind of weird. They do a lot of weird things. Um, <laughs> Uh, and humor, it's just we want people who are fun to hang around with and, and to be with. And lastly is humility. That fifth H is our most important one. And we test that in lots of ways, um, uh, which I won't discuss because we test them. 
Um, I've, I've worked with Amy Caldwell a little bit uh, with WeLift, so I know it's on your radar, but I, I'm curious if, if y'all have had any insights on how to help kind of close gender gaps in entrepreneurship here in Utah. Oh, I like you. Tell me your name. Seth Jensen. Seth, that's awesome. So Brittany and I were just talking back here uh, before we started. Look around. Who's here? It was like a guy fest. I would encourage each of you to make sure that you reach out to a female colleague and invite them to come with you next month. Um, that's really important. Now, I want to I point something out that's really important here. So in, uh, in venture, who knows what percentage of women get funded, venture funding? It's super low. It's not quite that low. It's not less than 1%. Prior to the pandemic, it was 6%. It's now 4%. That's wrong. And that's something we should change. We should lead the state in that. You guys just saw that Utah was voted number one state in the country, right? Across all these different metrics. Guess which one we voted, the, we ranked the lowest in? Gender equality. The lowest. Like, that shouldn't be the case. We should lead the nation in gender equality. So, in RevRoad, in our portfolio, we have over 40% of our companies are led by women and minorities. That is awesome. We have not achieved that by lowering the bar or by affirmative action. We've achieved that by having a bigger funnel, a wider funnel, better outreach at the top. Um, we love women in tech. We love, uh, we have Amy, sorry, tell me your name again. Seth. Seth? Yeah, so Seth, Amy serves on several boards uh, with women in entrepreneurship. Um, our outreach is what makes that difference. And all of us should be doing that. We should go the extra mile. In that, to me, that's the way that we, we create um, uh, equality, whether it be with gender or with race or with religion or anything else. Like we should have, expand our circles. And then everyone competes on merit through our application process. It is 100% on merit when they're in the funnel. Um, so thanks for, for sharing that. All right, up here in the front. We'll just keep the mic there and you give it to him when you're done. So with potential shifting in the economy and, and you know, big banks like Silicon Valley Bank have failed and so forth, what are you advising your businesses right now that you consult with to do to kind of weather the storm? Yeah, so there's some just kind of brass tacks things, right? I mean, we had a couple of portfolio companies that had money in uh, well-known banks that uh, were in the news recently, and we were helping them, uh, like, from day one to try and find out what are the kinds of options that they have. Um, uh, since that, uh, we have been working in our last board meeting. Our discussion was with uh, a great partner and in financial institutions on how can we diversify where those funds are. And we've tied our portfolio companies or given them information on how they can tie to programs that basically distribute their funds across a variety of banks every night um, uh, to make sure that they're covered by the FDIC limit. Um, you just have to be, it's hard because it's like, your local bank doesn't tell you what their stress levels are, right? They don't tell you where their, your, their weak spots are. And so uh, you just have to find programs that can do things like that, but they're available today. It's a great question. Um, with working with so many 
companies and so many different with so many different products and markets and whatnot. How do you hire the right talent at RevRoad to make sure that they are capable of doing all that? Yeah, thanks. Great question, Fonzie. So um, I'm very, very lucky to work with an incredible group of people who are highly talented. We like to say that your vibe attracts your tribe. Okay, and that is true. That's why we add vibe to values and vision. Your vibe attracts your tribe. And that's probably the number one way that we attract. Um, and I'm super pleased to, to say that like a vast uh, majority of our referrals for employees and for portfolio companies come from our existing employees and our existing portfolio companies. To me, that's the metric that matters in those things is do you have people that are happy enough themselves with what they're receiving to recommend it to someone else? I mean, that's like the core root of an NPS score. So that's the biggest and, and, and best way to do that, is to make sure that you've got something that other people are already enjoying, and so then others want to come and join. It's a great question. Very cool. Um, I know we didn't get everyone's questions. Darren's going to stick around. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you and getting to uh, hear this amazing story. I wish it would have existed about 12 years ago. I know, right? Me too. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that would agree with that. But... Um, Kudos to you and obviously your team, right? Like you couldn't do this by They're yourself. They're amazing. And uh, again, like the, the folks that have gone through it uh, have amazing things to say. And now I know why. So thank you so much, Darren. Appreciate your time. Hey, thanks. <laughs>